0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Recently, the AAP, or the American Academy of Pediatrics, has been very outspoken and has released a new policy on water safety and the prevention of drowning. This is a very important topic for our kids and teens as we unfortunately continue to see many drownings each year. So, we're, today we're going to be discussing drowning prevention and some of these new policies that the AAP has recommended. We've got Dr. Jarrett Morgan owned with us. He is also a MedPeds physician at UMC, and he's going to help us with these discussions. We'd love to hear from you, so share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling 1 877 MPB Ring. That's 1 672 7464. Or you can send an email at kids at mpbonline.org.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Recently, the AAP, or the American Academy of Pediatrics, has been very outspoken and just released a new policy on water safety and the prevention of drowning. Uh, this is a very important topic for our kids and teens because we continue to see drowning, unfortunately, as one of the leading causes of death in children and our adolescents as well. So today we're going to be talking about some of those recommendations from the new AAP policy. We've got Dr. Jarrett Morgan on with us. He is a piece physician as well at UMC, and he's going to help us with these discussions. And we'd love to hear from you. Maybe you can share some tips that you found to be helpful for your kids as they were growing up and even as adults as well. Uh, give us a call at one. One eight seven seven mpb ring That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. Thanks, Dr. Morgan, for coming on with us today.
2: Happy to be here. Thank you for having me again.
0: So, um, like I said, the American Academy of Pediatrics has really recently taken a strong stand. You may have seen it on the news. Um, I was telling them I was in Texas a couple of weeks ago, and there were even billboards up from the AAP Um, because they've really tried to take a strong stance on drowning because it is unfortunately still way too common there's about a thousand kids that die every year from drowning and a lot of times it's not drowning that we think of in a pool Um, you know we still have we still see drownings in bathtubs for young infants and so they're really trying to um, educate everyone so that you can be very aware and hopefully we can prevent this. So a few statistics I saw, um, like I said, a 1,000 children die each year, but it accounts for about 4,000 fatalities just in general in the U.S. each year, which is pretty staggering numbers when you think about it. Um, about 500,000 deaths worldwide. Um, it's the number one cause of death in kids from ages 1 to through 4 after birth defects. It is also... Um, one of them, besides motor vehicle accidents, is the number one cause of death in adolescents as well. So it, it affects all age ranges. We, you know, we think of it as little kids, but it affects teenagers and older people just as much as it does kids as well. So very important. Um, some other higher inc- incidences where we see that um, it tends to occur more in males and um, African-Americans, as we talked about in kids, and as well as in the southern states. So all of you out there, um, unfortunately, and I'm sure Dr. Morgan has seen this as well, we have taken Mm -hmm. care of kids uh, in the hospital. I hadn't taken care of many of adults, but I've definitely taken care of way too many children in the hospital, um, seeing them come in the ER as well as taking care of them in the hospital. After drowning events or near drowning events, because uh, as we'll talk about later, if there is even a near drowning event, it's recommended to go to the hospital so that we can monitor you closely. So tell us about who we see. I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but tell us who we see the high peaks of drowning that it, that it's normally affecting.
2: Oh, for sure. So, uh, like you kind of alluded to, and like you mentioned, drowning is 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 one of those things that not many people kind of. Off the, like right off the bat, think about as a leading cause of death for young people, but it is truly, uh, truly a staggering issue. And the thing about it is, it's one of the most preventable, uh, preventable causes of death. And that's kind of what we'll kind of get into a little bit later on. Um, as far as like in my practice, uh, the age groups that I kind of see most affected by this, it kind of has almost a twofold peak um, in, in which age ranges have the highest rate. So. Obviously, like you said, the number one cause or the number one age group that we see is less than five, so children who are um, just neonates um, just uh, but usually between one and age one and four, but even less than age one is still a still a staggering issue, and also we see a second peak in a different age group is age fifteen to twenty five year olds uh, now, each of these has different risk factors, different um, instances in which you would think that they have such an event of drowning or near drowning. Uh, usually with a young age group, ages one through five um, or less than one, it's usually in the case of swimming pools or the case of bathtubs or in the case of even like small amounts of water. Um, neonates or toddlers can actually drown in as little as one to two inches of water. Um, and it can, the thing about it is it can happen very suddenly, very uh, very insta- very. Uh, quickly, um, this is why people, parents, have to be especially vigilant with this age group. Um, supervision, which we'll kind of mention a little bit later on, is is a is a crucial factor to help prevent these uh, cases. With regards to the second age group, the 15 to 25-year-olds, they are a little bit different. So you do still have some uh, high incidence or incidence of uh, drownings with regards to swimming pools, but also you have to think about things like lakes and rivers and beaches. These are, of course, the the vacation spots, the spring break times, the after-school events. These are the times in which you have to be a little bit more vigilant as well. Um, And again, it can happen very suddenly. So um, vigilance and supervision is the key.
0: Yeah, so our, our teenagers sometimes think they're, um, invincible. And that I think that's kind of the difference, you know, toddlers, they're just curious. Um, and so they're easily drawn to water and easily drawn to adventures, whereas teenagers just think they're invincible. So um, part of the, the biggest thing in drowning prevention is education, both for the kids and teens, but also for the parents as well, and anybody that's going to be taking care of the child. Uh, so like Dr. Morgan said, you know, it you can, a child can drown in just one to two inches of water, which is really scary, because <laughs> mm-hmm. that's not much. Um, and it can happen really fast. Uh, they also call it, uh, the AAP says that it can be silent because a lot of times uh, the toddlers, uh, you know, it's not necessarily in a swimming time. It's unsupervised times near the pool. So it's when they sneak out the doggy door or when they're able to open the back door and go to the pool. Um, or If they're visiting a friend who doesn't have toddlers and so their house is not baby proofed, um, so it's it's places like that. so that's why they call it silent uh, because you don't always see it happening because it kind of happens behind your back when when kids get curious. So we're talking today about drowning and water prevention. We'd love to hear from you. so give us a call and share your comments and questions with us this morning at one eight seven seven MPB ring. that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four So let's talk a little bit about infants and drowning because it's You know, we we kind of mentioned one to four is the big age range because that's toddlers because they can walk, Mm -hmm. but we do see infants with drowning. So tell us a little bit about where we would see these cases.
2: Uh, for sure. So probably the most dangerous time is bath time, <laughs> obviously. So babies have very poor muscle control, very poor head control. Um, that, hence why they have, hence why parents have to do everything for them, including carrying them and holding them while they're taking ba- a bath. Uh, and that's the time in which these events really occur the most. So some practical tips for parents uh, and for caregivers, really, when they're caring for for these infants and, and small babies with very poor muscle control very poor head control is to always keep an eye on them always keep a hand on them that's the most important thing is to never let them leave your hand um, oftentimes you have things uh, it's important to keep things close by like a towel or like soap so you always have at least one hand on the on the child um, in order to um, keep them from getting completely submerged um, or even like slightly submerged because again these things can happen these events can happen even in small amounts of water one to two inches so that's one tip. Um, Another thing, again, supervision. So even if you, um, in like an older child or like a child who's in crawling age, always keep an eye on them. So for the younger kids, of course, it's keeping a hand on them, which is kind of uh, pretty intuitive. But also for the older kids, keeping an eye on them, never leaving even for a moment. Um, These events, uh, even in our practice, what we've seen in the ER and the hospital, um, it's moments. It's a mom who is going away to answer a telephone call, or even to help another child. And it only it only takes a few seconds for these things, um, for this life changing event to happen. So, again, keeping a hand on the child, keeping your important items close by so you don't have to uh, remove hands and also keeping an eye on them. Um, another thing is that uh, even outside of bad times, keeping those, uh, those uh, sources of water closed off. So bathtubs emptied after usage, toilets keeping the lid down, um, even uh, containers of water or buckets of water, emptying them and keeping them uh, pretty much out of contact with the younger kids. So that's another aspect to prevent these uh, events from happening.
0: Yeah. And um, one thing I would like to say about the supervision is, you know, we definitely want there always to be an adult for supervision, mm-hmm. because a lot of times, um, especially if you have more than one child, uh, they'll take baths together. And so even if they are considered an older, you know, not necessarily a toddler, but even a younger kid, that still doesn't take the place of an adult supervising bath time. For sure. So, um, So a lot of times, you know, you may have to step out of the room to go grab something and you'll leave your four or five year old with your baby in the bathtub and that you know does not count as adequate supervision for them we definitely want an adult in there at all times so that's something something important to think about and you know like Dr. Morgan was saying not necessarily, uh, you know, a little bit older infants as they get to be about 9, 10 months and they're able to pull up on things. So you have to think about that as well. So when you're getting ready for a bath time and your kids has recently learned to pull up and starting to cruise some, they can easily tip over into that bathroom dep- uh, that bathtub depending on how, the height of your bathtub, which most of them can finagle their way somehow in there. Same thing with the toilets, which is kind of funny to think about that that would be you know, you have to always keep the lid down, It wouldn't be something that you would think about, but it happens. It really truly does. Um, kids when they learn to pull up and are able to pull themselves and just tip right over into that toilet. So it happens more commonly than you would think. Um, so definitely want to try to think about protecting every area, any possibility uh, that they could be near water. So we're talking today about drowning and the American Academy of Pediatrics new policy on drowning prevention. We've got Dr. Jarrett Morgan in with us and we would love to hear any comments or questions, maybe share some ways that you found that were helpful for your kids to prevent drowning as you were growing up, especially if you have a pool and some tips that you have out there for other pool owners. Give us a call at one MPB ring. That's 1-877- 672-7464 Or send us an email at kids at MPB. CB This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPV Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor in Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we have Dr. Jarrett Morgan with us. He is also a med physician at UMC. And we're talking today about the AAP, uh, the American Academy of Pediatrics, has released a new policy trying to be very outspoken on the prevention of drowning, because unfortunately we still see this way too commonly in our kids and teens. So we're talking today about water safety and how to prevent drowning. Um, we'd love to hear any comments or questions that you may have, so give us a call at one MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can always send us an email at kids at mpvonline.org. So we talked a little bit about the infants and most of the time, infant drowning because they aren't necessarily mobile until they get to be a little bit older, like we talked about, um, is usually at the house in bathtubs is what we think about a lot. But our toddlers and our young kids, so that age is one through four that we were talking about that really has the highest incidence of drowning. um, This is where you really have to start baby proofing and thinking about a few things. So um tell us a little bit about what we can do and what is the most important part of trying to prevent drowning in our young toddlers and young kids.
2: Right. So uh, like you said, toddlers are very curious, curious creatures. Uh, For any parent out there, they know that their kid is very sneaky uh, and they always tend to get into things that they shouldn't. Um, So this is where uh, parents and caregivers really have to be um, as vigilant and as thorough as they can to baby proof everything. Uh, Of course, there are other safety things around the house, but particularly with regards to water sources. So uh, first off is pools. So pools obviously are, um, uh, there's, Source of great fun, but they're uh, potentially a great source of these events, these drowning events, like we mentioned. Um, so, first thing that kind of the AAP recommended is, of course, a fence around the swimming pool, and it, of course, these fences have to be uh, encompassing pretty much all sides, all four sides. Um, and there are specific aspects of the fence that, that a lot of people don't necessarily think about, but need to keep in mind. Uh, for instance, how wide should the uh, uh, should the um, should the aspects of the fence be? So They they need to have no more than four inches uh, between the the little slats in the fence. Uh, Obviously, smaller kids can ease through if they're any wider than that. Um, Also, with regards to the gate itself. So obviously, all fences should have a gate Uh, that should be self-clothing or sorry, self-closing and self-latching. Um, And this gate should be locked, kept locked at all or kept locked at all times. Um, Kids, otherwise, kids very easily can sneak their way in there, as I'm sure a lot of parents know with regards to cabinet doors and other things around the house. Um, other things that Kenneth kind of people or families can think about are pool alarms. So pool alarms can uh, really be put into place and go off uh, when they detect waves in the water, uh, water surface. So this is another uh, kind of second line of defense. If by chance the kid was to get access to the pool, um, also with regards if if uh, families decide not to get a pool. Uh, fence or even a pool alarm. Pool covers obviously are uh, another um, option for families. And you really have to make sure that these pool covers are uh, cover the entire pool um, securely and that they're latched very securely as well. Um, and so again, there are three options uh, that kind of families have.
0: And fences are going to be the ones that are most recommended, um, and because it is going to be the safest for keeping your kid out, for sure. at all times. Um, and that's the thing that we have to think about are those times that you're not going to be looking. And the other thing is, you know, when you go to somebody's house, because if you have a pool yourself, you're going to make sure you have all of these precautions in place. But if you are at somebody's house that has a pool that maybe hasn't had a toddler in their house in years, you got to think about that. Um, Also, if you live in a pretty active neighborhood with lots of kids, that's another thing to think about is kids wandering into your backyard um, that could easily fall into your pool. So you have to be, you know, you definitely have to think about your family first. But you also have to think about the other kids that could be exposed to this as well. So even if you don't have toddlers at your house, you may have nieces, nephews, grandchildren, and family friends that are going to be around. And so you have to think about them as well. So pools are definitely important. That's probably the most common place we see drownings in our kids one through four. But tell us a little bit about some other places that you could see.
2: Um so kind of one thing that I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier is regards to the other sources of water around the uh, around the house. So ponds, ditches, bird bats, these are kind of things that uh, even before I read the policy, before I read a little bit more about this as uh, this issue, I didn't really think about right off the bat. Um but these are things that people have to think about um because again, even small sources of water up to 1 2 inches kids can drown kids can have these events and life-changing events so uh, as much as they can or as much as families can be uh, have good drainage systems to where these pond, these ditches are, are kept dry or kept low uh, at all times ponds removed or uh, kept secure at all times Bird baths need to be um, kind of kept securely or even removed and fountains are another aspect um if they are in place, at least kept safely away from these younger kids when they can have um, access to them.
0: We're talking today about preventing drowning and the different um, new recommendations released by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call with any comments or questions that you may have at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. So, prevention of these unsupervised events. So we've talked about protecting the pool, but how can we prevent kids from even having any close access to the pool? What are some safety tips that you can do around the house?
2: hmm So uh, pretty much some tips around the house. So number one, I think, is, of course, touch supervision. Um, so uh, really a careful supervising adult needs to be present at all times, uh, really within an arm's length of most providers. Um, some other safety tips is uh, to attach latches or doorknob covers uh, kind of around the house, because obviously uh, we talked about the curiosity of toddlers, Uh, They love doorknobs. Even I see this in my doctor's office where kids will go into cabinets unsupervised, and you pretty much have to watch them pretty closely at all times. So, again, careful careful supervision is one aspect. Um, Keeping latches on all doors that really may not have a a lock in of themselves, but you can find uh, many of these doorknob covers and latches um, in pretty much any store. Um, Other things uh, with regards to safety gates, uh, obviously everyone knows baby gates. Uh, This is another crucial aspect to to keep kids out of areas to where they may have access to these sources of water uh, if they're not going to be removed immediately. Um, So those are some aspects around the house, some safety tips that you can use, uh, again, to keep kids away from these sources of water.
0: And what about once they get into the pool? So, what are some recommendations they have about supervision for parents?
2: So, obviously, again, careful, watchful, watchful vigilance. Uh, again, watching them very, very closely. Um, ideally, a, a, an adult who has been trained in CPR is, is a very crucial aspect because, as we're getting looked to a little bit later on, care after or if there has been such an event. Um, some things regarding CPR, but again, an adult who's been trained in CPR is one aspect. Other things are life jackets. So for the older uh, kids who are older toddlers who can actually, um, who who do have access to these pools and swimming pools, life jackets that have been approved by Coast Guards um, and that fit appropriately, those are things, uh, other things that families can do.
0: And when your adult is supervising, make sure you have your phones down, you're not distracted, um, so that you can actually provide that supervision and be there in case anything, um, heaven forbid, were to happen. Mm -hmm. We've got a couple of callers, so we'll go first to Taylor. Thanks for calling, Taylor. Hey, Dr. McLeod. So I was just calling. I wanted to ask a couple of questions. And the first one was just at what age do you feel like it's appropriate to begin swimming lessons? Um, Because you never want to start too early, but you also don't want to start them too late where they get behind. And then a second question is how do you prevent swimmers here? Because I know that can be really painful for children
3: in the summer.
0: Yeah, so swimming lessons, that's a great question. So um, we don't recommend, the AAP does not recommend starting any swimming lessons before age one um, because they really can't there's really no benefit for that Um, but usually somewhere after age one uh, can you start as long as your child is ready I know there's lots of people that teach swimming lessons that won't start till they're a little bit older maybe three or four but there are definitely some places out there that will do kids under one too so um, we, we recommend not under one. The, when you start is really when you think your kid's ready. So there's lots of kind of things that go into that. Like they're emotional, if they're ready emotionally, if they're ready physically, uh, based on their capabilities, most of the time it's going to be about age three or four by age four, pretty much all kids are going to be ready. Um, so you definitely want to have your kid in by age four getting, getting swimming lessons. Okay, great. And swimmers ear. That's a good question too, because I was notorious for having swimmers ear when I was growing up because I never, I never swim all the time, all summer. So, um, some things you can do, you can wear earplugs. Those don't help as much. Um, the other thing is trying to maybe dry out your ear some afterwards. So you can, a lot of times people, will there's some solutions out there over the counter that you can use that have some acetic acid or alcohol in them that will dry out the ears and that will help as well. Um um, but the biggest thing is trying to keep your ears protected and dry. So either earplugs or maybe using some of those drops to dry out the ear canals after you swim. Okay, great. Well, thank you for that advice. Thank you for your questions. We'll go next to Dan. Hey, Dan, thanks for calling.
3: Yeah, enjoying the show. I just had a couple of questions. One just popped in my head when um, Taylor had called in about the, uh, the swimming lessons and if you have a pool and you uh, have children, do you think it would probably be more um, successful to let them learn from someone who teaches swimming lessons first or rather than trying to do it yourself? It just seems like they would be more receptive to that. And uh, the second question that I have is, I know you all said you see a lot of drownings in the ER situations. and I was just curious if the uh, statistics for for successful uh, recovery from drowning were better in cold water uh, drownings than than in uh, warm water drowning. And I'll just listen to your uh, answers. I enjoy the show. Thank y'all.
0: Thanks for calling. Thank you. Um, so, so for the first question, uh, I definitely would recommend getting swimming lessons from a qualified instructor. Um, there's a few things that go into that, but you definitely want someone that is adequately trained and knows the different techniques. Um, and the reason is because when you first start swimming lessons at age you know, three, four, you're not really teaching a child how to swim as much. I mean, you do work on that, don't get me wrong. But a lot of it is just you're trying to teach them safety tips, safety tips. So what to do if you fall into the pool, how to tread water, how to get to the side of the pool, how to pull yourself up out of the pool once you get to the side of the pool, um, how to turn yourself over and get on your back and float, different things like that, you know, so you're not necessarily – always just trying to teach them how to swim. We're also trying to teach them safety and survival guides as well. So that's why I say it would probably be best to actually take from a qualified someone that has training and learning how to teach swimming lessons that has taken a course in this um, so that they can make sure that they're teaching them the proper techniques. Um, with regards to the drowning in cold water, so that's that's a really good question because um A lot of times in the medical field, we do this in pediatrics and we do this in adults as well, if somebody has been found down, um, what we expect is that they have gone without oxygen to their brain for some period of time. And so when that happens, that's when you have neurologic damage to your brain. And we know that a lot of times after heart attacks, after being found unconscious, that we do a cooling protocol and so that tends to hopefully help some with those neurologic outcomes but from everything that i've read you know that was initially thought that if you drown in cold water that you would have better outcomes but from everything that i've read recently there has been no studies to actually prove that so theoretically it makes sense because that is what we do to treat people that have had Um, Hypoxic injuries to their brain or without oxygen to their brain for a prolonged time. But truly drowning in cold water, there's no evidence that those actually have better um, long term outcomes, unfortunately. So we're talking today about drowning. Um, we'd love to hear any comments or questions. Maybe share some tips that you have found for your kids and teens as they were growing up. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672
1: 7464 This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we're talking about the newly released AAP statement on the prevention of drowning and water safety. We've got Dr. Jarrett Morgan, a med physician at UMC, and he's here to help us with these discussions. We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll go to our next caller, Mary Jane. Thanks for hanging on for us. Hello. Yeah, what's going um, on today?
3: Well, my children are 56 years old, so <laughs> have a lot of experience younger. Yeah. Um, the fact that a toilet is so attractive to kids, um, and toddlers can tip over into it. I recommend not just covering the, I mean, putting the cover down, put something heavy on it mm-hmm. that will make noise if it falls out. Um, children's toys are pretty good because some of them are pretty heavy if, if they fall over. But they make it attractive. So anything that's heavy that will clatter if the, the kid goes and tries to open it, um, that helps. That's all my
0: that's my comment. Yeah, well thanks so much. That's a great tip. I hadn't really thought about that. Uh a lot of the things had said put latches on the toilet lid mm-hmm. seat, but that's a really good good thought because like we said, it's silent. You don't know what's happening. So if they could make a, a clamoring noise when it happened, that would be great. So thanks so much for your call. Yes, thank you. So we'll go back to swimming lessons for a little bit because I feel like that's that's always a big question is when can you start swimming lessons? So we talked about making sure that your child is ready, which usually kids are going to be, most kids are going to be ready by at least stage four, but some a little bit earlier as well. And so some things to think about with the swimming lessons, like we talked about, making sure that they are trained and it's a qualified instructor. Another thing is you want to make sure that your kid's instructor is um is trained in CPR too, so that if something were to happen and during the swimming lessons, um, that we would know what to do when that were to happen. So definitely want to make sure that you have a qualified instructor and somebody that is up to date on CPR. Another thing to remember is um, it's they're probably not going to get it the first time they do a swimming lesson, they're probably not going to get it the second and third time. You know, it's going to take multiple classes. Sometimes it takes multiple years. You know, sometimes you have to do it every summer for three or four years before your kid really truly feels confident and you feel confident in your child um, letting them swim. So that's something to think about. You know, don't get frustrated if they don't pick it up after the first few lessons, you know, and if you have to keep doing it each year, that's very common. And honestly, I would probably recommend to continue. Doing those as long as you can, um, so that you can make sure that your child is confident in swimming, um, so that when they get to that point, they can swim alone with supervision. But you know, Um, swimming lessons, too. I mean there's lots of people out there that teach swimming lessons, but there's also like some city pools out there, YMCAs, different places like that, because sometimes swimming lessons can get a little expensive. So you have to be mindful of that as well. Um, but you know, try to look into like city and public pools and YMCAs and different places like that, that may offer free swimming lessons or like give you like a scholarship for the swimming lessons. So swimming lessons are very, very important, um, but you just want to make sure that your kid is ready for swimming lessons and that they um, are going to be able to understand and and learn these techniques, not only for swimming, but also for safety techniques. So we'll talk next a little bit about teens and drowning, because as we said earlier, um, this is the second age range that we see a lot, unfortunately, high numbers of drowning. So tell us a little bit about why we kind of went into a little bit, but tell us some about why teenagers tend to be the ones that have such a high rate of drowning as well.
2: Yeah, so kind of like we mentioned, um, teenagers are pretty much the second highest age range uh, in which we see these n- drownings or near drowning events. And again, that range uh, starts around 15 ish, but it can extend all the way up until 25. That's officially the age range in which you kind of see the highest, again, the highest rates or second highest risks or rates of these drowning events. Easily the leading risk factor in these drowning events, unfortunately, is alcohol usage, which we do see, uh, still see a fair amount of, even in our pediatric and teen population. Uh, With regards to personality and personality risk factors, obviously, teenagers usually have kind of, a, unfortunately, a sense of invincibility, um, kind of a sense of it's never going to happen to me. So it's a lot more risk taking events that we see in this age range. Of course, it extends not only to this, but also to other dangerous uh, behaviors as well but since we're talking about drownings let's talk about um water sources so obviously these uh this age range has more exposure more uh access to swimming pools and lakes and beaches again this is the time of the year in which we kind of see actually the highest rates of these events usually around may and august Uh, around summertime after school events um when parties happen, or when there is more access to alcohol as well, this is also when people have less supervision. Uh, when these teens have less less adult supervision, less access to adults with CPR training as well. Um, so these are actually some of the uh, some of the risk factors that goes into why we see such a higher um, risk not only of events, but also risk of fatal events as well. Um, since we uh, since they don't have access to to uh, these life saving measures. Um, So I guess I can go a little bit into kind of some tips for safety that teens can think about. Um, Again, swimming lessons. Dr. McLeod, you mentioned this earlier, just with regards to kids, children, teenagers, they have to have, they need to have swimming lessons. They're extremely important and making sure that all of the members of the parties uh, know how to swim just in case anyone needs help. Um, supervision. So adult supervision and not only that, trained adult supervision with regards to having CPR training. That's also a, a very good um, factor to help prevent um, prevent anything from happening. Lifeguards. So with regards to beaches and swimming pools, um, making sure that when kids do go to these events, do go to these, um, these places, that there is always a lifeguard on duty. And also having a buddy system. Having a buddy system is actually pretty important. Making sure that there's a, a I guess, a water watcher is, is, is one of the terms that people use. Making sure that if one person goes, there's always someone who knows where they are, who knows, uh, who has an eye on them. Uh, just if something does happen, that they can either help out or go get someone. Again, some adult supervisor to help out as well. Um, staying sober. So that kind of goes without saying. Obviously, teenagers shouldn't really have any access to alcohol anyway but with regard well, it's kind of beyond the point but they
0: find ways <laughs> they
2: find ways but it's sobriety is very important mm-hmm. because obviously um, various factors are impaired with regards to alcohol and also CPR so not just adults can learn CPR obviously uh, there are plenty of red Cross classes that can um, that are available to pediatric population um, to where everyone can actually learn CPR and learn these basic life support techniques um, should anything happen.
0: Yeah. And, you know, just like our kids, we would like for our teenagers to have some adult supervision, but we know teenagers are not always going to have adult supervision. So like Dr. Morgan mentioned, the buddy system is a good thing to have. So if your kids, if your teenagers are going to go off um, and be swim independently somewhere, whether that be if you're down at the beach for a vacation and they go down to the ocean, having a buddy with them, try not to let them go alone so that if anything were to happen, you have someone there to help them if if something goes wrong, to call for help if something goes wrong. So always having a buddy if you can't have an adult there to supervise, which it happens a lot with our teenagers. So you want to make sure you teach them that. Always go with somebody. You know, our teenagers, like he was saying, aren't always in pools. So you got to think about oceans and rivers and lakes and open water swimming. And so with that Um, comes also like recreational stuff so getting on jet skis getting on boats things Mm -hmm. like that so trying to keep them um, number one make sure that they have their license so that they are able to drive a jet ski and a boat Um, but also teaching them to be safe with that because uh, teenagers just like they can be reckless with cars and reckless with anything and adults as well Um, adults sometimes can act like kids too so this goes for everybody not just our teenagers Um, but try not to be reckless with those because uh, boating accidents are uh, they unfortunately happen as well and a lot of times like we were talking about um, alcohol is a big factor in this as well so if um, not necessarily even just teenagers but even adults as well if you are drinking um, do not drive a boat it's just like driving a car um, you are impaired. And so uh, especially if people like out in the reservoir, they're constantly people swimming and driving boats around and skiing and tubing and whatever you want to do. So just um, staying sober is the biggest thing. Have an adult there that is sober. So boats, um, wearing life jackets, we talked about that as well. Mm-hmm. Another thing to think about is like if you are going swimming in the ocean and there are big waves Trying to actually watch those flags. They put those flags out and fly them for a reason if there's a red flag up. Try to teach your kid and teen what that means and why it's important to look for those flags. Um, I feel like they, at least the last few times I've been to the beach, they do a really good job now of trying to keep people out of the water when they have those flags up. But sometimes you can get caught because it can change pretty quickly. So when you're trying to teach your kid how to handle that if they get caught in a rip current and they're out in the waves, one thing that is recommended is to always swim parallel to the shore. Um, and so that way, if they were to get caught in that current, swim in parallel to the shore until they're able to get out of it and then they can head up to the, to the shoreline. So that's just one thing to always, um, make sure you're teaching, especially if you go to the beach a lot and are going to be around waves, um, because that's where you're really going to see those currents. So we're talking today about drowning prevention and we'd love to hear any comments or questions that you may have so give us a call at one MPV ring. that's one 672 we'll go next to michelle thanks for calling michelle
3: hi i dr mcleod i have a question about newborns and in, in the pool or swimming on water period is it true that you can throw a baby newborn baby in some in water and they will automatically know how to swim
0: i do not think that is true and i don't think that's recommended um i know they used to do that I, I, we actually have a picture of me as an infant where um that happened to me uh, just playing around with you know my parents but we don't recommend that and i'll tell you some reasons why um is because when you do dunk a child in the water um, and they if they weren't to even get a little bit of water aspirate some of that water what it does is it causes those vocal cords to spasm and they clamp down and your larynx which is your airway you get that laryngeal spasm and it clamps down and you can't get oxygen and you can't breathe and so um, even with the smallest amount of water sometimes that can happen it doesn't happen often I would say that you know just dunk in really isn't going to usually cause any problems but there's always that risk so I definitely wouldn't
3: recommend that. Okay, so that's really a myth, basically. Yeah. Uh, newborn babies know how to swim. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't think so. I don't think newborns do.
3: All right, well, thank you for dispelling that, and people don't throw your babies in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Well, thank, thank you for you. your call. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks. We'll go to our next caller. We've got an anonymous caller. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Good morning. How are y'all? Good. How are you? Doing great. It's beautiful here. It is. It is very yes. nice.
3: Uh, yes, I just wanted to make sure to point out that that even though I know you're talking about children and and pediatric things, but but you know it's it's great when adults are responsible as far as uh, get learning how to swim themselves and and taking you know doing those sorts of things because. Um, Because, you know, the adult may be afraid of water, Mm -hmm. but, you know, um, but trying to get, you know, encouraging the children, despite that's what I'm trying to get at.
0: No, you're exactly right. Because the best way for a child to learn is by watching their parents do it. So I think you're exactly right. Um, So definitely trying to get the parents involved. I agree with that for sure.
3: I think after Katrina, I was just shocked at how many people did not know how to swim. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right.
0: Yeah, even to this day, I have a friend that's actually in the medical profession um, and takes care of kids and has some kids of her own and still can't swim. Um, And so I've told her many times, I will teach you how to swim. Um, And I think she is going to learn how to swim. (laughs) But, you know, and I agree, it's, it's, you know, there's so many resources out there where our parents can learn how to swim. And I definitely agree. I would recommend all parents, if you do not know how to swim, definitely learn how you so much. Yeah, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Thank you. And the leading by example goes with um, swimming definitely is very important, but also just regular safety things. So um, teaching your kid to always wear a life jacket if you're in a your boat, like we were talking about with that open water swimming. Um, if the parent, you know, a lot of times as adults, we don't always wear life jackets, but we always make sure our kids do. But it's it's good for us to put the life jacket on, too, because that sets an example for your child. When they see you wearing the life jacket, they're not going to fuss as much about wearing the life jacket. Um, same thing about putting sunscreen on you know like little things like that that go along with pool safety wearing your sunscreen not running around the pool Mm -hmm. um things like that kids learn by example and so trying to um you know trying to instill those um safety habits in your kids is the best way to do that is just by doing it yourself for sure so we're talking today about drowning. We're going to take a quick break, but we have a few minutes left, and so we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1 MPB Ring. That's 1 672 7464.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: This is Southern Remedy, kids and teens on MPB Think Radio We've been talking today about drowning prevention and the importance of water safety, which is really important as it's warming up outside and uh we're going to be getting around pools and lakes and the reservoir and beaches and everything like that. So, um we've had some great calls and give we got a few minutes left so give us a call if you can 1877 MPB Ring. That's 877 672 7464. We'll go next to Giovanni. Thanks for calling today.
3: It's really important. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, what's going on?
3: Oh, yeah, um, you guys were talking about drowning. Um, and, yeah, I was giving like, a lot of factors and everything to, like, prevent drowning. But one of my experiences, I had my dog actually saved me from drowning one time. Oh, really? Yeah, like um, I was, like, in a creek, in a river. I was, like, with a bridge. They'd be, like, water under the bridge. And my dog, he'd get in there with me, and the current started taking me, like, way far out. And, like, I was not like, that experienced swimmer. like, once my feet. Stop touching the ground i kind of panicked so i panicked but he was like right there by me so i kind of like laid on top of him yeah. as he swam back to shore
0: oh that's awesome
3: yeah so i think be like if families go out to the beach good to have like a little big dog or something because they're excellent swimmers
0: yes dogs are excellent swimmers i think dogs you know our caller asked about infants and newborns learning how to swim i think it is an eight for dogs dogs are really good swimmers and i love dogs so i love that story
3: yeah, I got my dog from the uh, rescue center, too. Um,
2: he has been my buddy ever since then. That's, al- my life.
0: that's awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing that story. That's great. Yeah,
2: that's a great story. Anyway. Well, you guys
1: have a nice night. You I
2: mean, too. Day. You too.
0: We'll go next to Carla. Thanks for calling, Carla. Uh, yes, I just tuned into your car. I was right in
3: the car. And, um, I have a concern about drowning uh, in 2010... My son uh, drowned in our pool. He's from shallow water blackout, and I didn't know if you'd covered this yet.
0: So, so what exactly do you mean by that?
3: Shallow water blackout. The fact that the fact that you don't know makes my call worth it. Uh, shallow water blackout is when uh, usually it happens to navy sea or like people who are very athletic, mm-hmm. but possibly 30 percent of all drowning in the United States are from shallow water blackouts. And there is a shallowwaterblackoutprevention.org.
0: So I'm, I'm sorry, you're cutting out. I'm sorry. Uh, we can't hear you, Carla. If you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org so we can hear more about this. Um, I would love to hear more about this and... Um, so we can know exactly what you're talking about with the shallow water blackout. I've never actually heard that term specifically. Um, I know a lot of people talk about dry drowning, um, which is not truly a medical term. But that's kind of like what people are implying with that. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier with newborns with just getting even the smallest amount of water. Um, it doesn't happen a lot, but it can cause that spasm where you get to where your your airways clamp off and you can't breathe and get the air in that you need. Um, but that, that term dry drowning, we've kind of uh, stepped away from now. Um, the other thing to think about too, just uh, when she said black, uh, the blackout um, would be, you know, kids that have like heart problems. If you have uh, heart problems or seizures, definitely any people with seizures definitely want to make sure that you have um, somebody always around. Um, if you have any kids that could be predisposed to something to cause them to black out or to go unconscious in the water. But we'd love to hear more about that. So please send us an email. Um, just a few quick things while we have about a minute or so left. I just wanted to talk about what to do if you do see someone that drowns. So Dr. Morgan, real quick, tell us um, some tips that you would tell people out there to do if they do find a toddler or even a, a, a kid or an adult or somebody that has drowned.
2: Sure. So uh, easily the most important factor is to get them out of the water, get them to kind of a safe, dry environment, and, um, Really, there's been no uh, proof that maneuvers such as Heimlich maneuvers or positional maneuvers have been effective, Um, and easily there needs to be an adult provider around who's been uh, trained in CPR to perform those those basic life uh, techniques in that case as well.
0: But even if you don't know CPR, um, definitely, uh, if you don't know all the in and outs of it, one of the biggest things that we, we usually start with chest compressions, but in drowning situations, they do recommend to go in and give some rescue breaths. Keep their head up, too, because a lot of times they'll vomit some of that aspirated water that they have. And then the biggest thing, call 911. The minute you see it happening, call 911 as someone else is getting the, the pe- person out of the water. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. This is a production of MPB. Stay tuned next for NPR. Stars here and now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.